Got your Bibles. Pull them on out. I get to share Jesus with you today. It's a good day. Open them up to Romans chapter 5. And let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, we give you this time. Thank you for your word. God, may you speak to us in a greater way today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 today. Last week we looked at, you know, we started this series called More. We talked about we need to dream bigger. We need to dream bigger because we, we serve the God who can do uh, immeasurably more than all we can ask and all we can imagine. So we need to start dreaming bigger. Uh, but not only that, this week I want to look at, we need to start believing bigger. You know, you can have dreams and you can think, oh, that'd be great. That'd be, but no, we need to start believing that God can actually do what he says he can do. Believing that Jesus can do more than enough to meet our needs and save us. Um, have you ever met somebody with an over-the-top personality? I mean, who's just you're too much to handle. You're more than enough to handle. You ever met somebody like that? Maybe some of you are some of those people. I mean, we've all got those areas. I, I had a friend once who, whatever he did, he just went all out. I mean, one week it would be like, I'm really into biking, so I'm going to go buy a Lance Armstrong bike. I'm going to get all the different stuff. I'm going to buy the fancy helmet. I'm going to put $1,000 into biking, and that's what I'm going to do with my life. And then a month later, it'd be like, yeah, forget that. I sold that. Now, now I'm into tennis. Now I'm going to go buy the, you know, the, the latest and greatest. And then the next thing, you know, now I'm in the golfing. They come with all the, you know, the glove and all. They're like, have you ever golfed before? No, but I'm going to look the part. You know, have you ever met somebody like that? Because we all are like that in some way, shape, or form. We like to go over the top in some areas, you know. So maybe some of you, you went over the top and you're still using toilet paper you stored up from 2020, right? <laughs> some of you out there. So let's be honest right? Uh, you know, where are my helicopter parents at? You know, you, you're proud of it. You love your kids. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do whatever I can. We can get over the top in, in some areas. Or the competitive people. Competitive people. I guarantee there's somebody in this room today who's flipped over a Monopoly board because you've accused somebody else of cheating, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like we get competitive. We go over the top. We go all in on stuff. I remember one time, uh, Angie and I were out with friends uh, at one of those restaurants, like an Italian restaurant, you know, where they give you the, the cheese, you know, on top of your stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like Olive Garden or something like that. And uh, so we're there, and you get in there, and you know, the, the waitress says, okay, you just tell me when to stop. Like, okay. You know, so the first person goes, I go, and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, stop, you know. Angie goes, that's good. Next person goes. And then the last person goes, and... Uh, they never said stop. And so the, the waitress is just sitting there cranking it and cranking it and cranking it. And we're, we're looking like, did he forget? Did he forget to say stop? No, he's fully making eye contact with the waitress, <laughs> making sure like, I want more. You know, it started to look like snow on top of that thing. You know, it was just blanket. It was covered it just like this last week. And it was just, and eventually we, we kind of had to say like, okay, that's enough. You know, you don't need to keep getting cheated. And, and, and so that's, just over the top. We have these over the top that's more than enough. And you know what? I'm thankful that we serve an over the top kind of God, a, a God who, who saves us. He doesn't just partially save us. He, he doesn't just say, well, I hope that was enough to do the job. I hope that was enough to get you from here to heaven. But if you are saved, if you've reached out to Jesus, if you said, God, forgive me, then we can have assurance that we are saved. We can have assurance that our God did more than enough 
to save us, to redeem us, to, to bring us out of the pit and the muck that we are in, to bring us, to save us from our sins. That's the kind of God that we serve. So today you might be thinking, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, no, I've done too much. Like I've done too much. I've run too far from God. God can't take me back. God can't do these things. Or, or maybe you've been in here and you've been praying for years for that prodigal in your family. You've been praying for your loved one for a long time and you just think, God, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to happen? Is your, is your grace big enough? Can, can you make that happen? Or maybe it's a coworker or somebody that you know, a friend that's just too far gone. You know, they're, they're into too many things and, and they've given themselves over to too many things and we think, ah, it's just too much for God to save them. And really, when we believe those things, it's almost like we're saying, God can't. God can't save me. I'm too bad. You know, God, God can't reach out. God can't heal me. God, God's not strong enough to change them. God's not able. And you know what? That's a dangerous place to be in, to say God can't. Let, let's, let's talk about what God can do. Let's, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says this. You see, at just the right time, just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So today, I want to remind you of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to remind you what Jesus did on the cross for us. You know, Easter's approaching. It's two weeks away. And we need to reflect on Jesus' work on the cross all the time. But I think especially during Easter is a really good time to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. I know as, as far as like preaching sermons on Sunday mornings is concerned from a pastoral perspective, I feel like we can often lose the work of Jesus on the cross because, you know, Palm Sunday, we got to preach about the triumphal entry. And then the next Sunday, we got to preach about the resurrection and we kind of miss what happened in, in between. So today, I just want to take a moment and remind you of the work that Jesus did on the cross. In fact, in the next couple of weeks, I encourage you, take some time, read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They, they all have the account of what Jesus did, of the pain and the agony and the suffering that he went through for you. Every single one of them did. So I encourage you, read those through in the next couple weeks. Read through those accounts. Uh, it's towards the back end of each one of those. But let's, let's take a moment and just let me walk you through the pain that Jesus went through, the things that Jesus suffered. He suffered in many ways. The first way that he suffered was emotional pain. Jesus had uh, emotional pain. So if, if you think you've experienced emotional pain, listen to what Jesus walked through. First off, he had his disciples who were with him. For three years, and they abandoned him. Think about that. These people that he would consider, you know, brothers, that he would consider students, these people that he would consider the, the closest people probably to him in the whole world, and every single one of them left him. The night he was arrested, and the angry mob came for him, it says that they all fled. Nobody stood beside Jesus. He went through emotional pain. Not only was he deserted by his disciples, but by Peter, one of his closest, kind of in the inner circle. Peter denied him three times. This guy who just said, you know, I, I'll stand up for you. I'll never deny you. And then all of a sudden, Peter's sitting there like, I don't know Jesus. Who's that guy? 
ever been betrayed by your friend? You ever been denied by your friend? No, I'm not going to do that. So Jesus was denied by his own friend. And one of his disciples, Judas, literally betrayed him unto death. He turned him over to this angry mob. He, he showed them, he, he betrayed him with a kiss. The emotional pain that Jesus must have gone through. And then he gets put to an unfair trial where people slander his name and, and say that he did things, accuse him of things that he never did. And, and he sat there speechless. He, he didn't respond. He didn't defend himself. He didn't say, no, this is what really happened. But instead, he took that, that pain on himself in this public stage. I mean, can you just imagine being in front of your entire city, in front of people who have looked up to you and seen what you've done? You know, he's been teaching in the temple all week, you know, and, and everybody's coming to hear him, crowds of people. I mean, he had a lot of glory, just a lot of human glory that followed him, not that he embraced it, but, but a lot of people looked up to him. And now all of a sudden he's on the highest stage and people are shouting out, literally, crucify him. Think of how painful that would be just from an emotional standpoint, that, that there's all these people who hate you, who want to see you die. I can't imagine the pain that he went through. Not only that, it said that people spit on him. Like, that's, that's humiliating. He didn't do anything back. Not just the emotional pain, but think about the physical pain that Jesus went through. The Bible records that he was, he was punched, that he was slapped, that he was flogged. And the Romans were really good at flogging, and by really good, I mean really, really bad. You know, they, they took you to the point of just up to death, but not enough to kill you, just to make you feel that pain, where they, they would tie sheep bone and different things into these cords that would literally rip the flesh off your back as you were whipped. And, and to see Jesus just so torn up and, and, and beat up, I can't imagine the pain that he went through. And then it said that they mocked him. They put a, a crown of thorns. If you're really the, the king of the Jews, here's a crown of thorns. Here's a scepter. And, and, and they pushed the crown of thorns into his head. And they took the scepter and they, they beat him with it. And that's the pain that Jesus went through for us. We don't often take time to just sit and to think the pain that Jesus endured. But then they, they put him on the cross. They made him carry his cross through the city and and when he reached up there, when he got to the place of the skull, when he got to Golgotha, somebody took spikes and they, they nailed him through his wrists and nailed him to that cross just to think of the pain that he had to go through. And then they hoisted him up and put him on the, the vertical plank there and, and the pain and they nailed his feet to the cross. And just to, just to think of the pain that he endured, again, the Romans, they're... They knew what they were doing with torturing. They, they would bring you up to that point of death, but not allow you to die. And he hung on that cross. Just remember the pain that Jesus went through. But the worst pain of all was the spiritual pain. See, when he hung on that cross, he took the sin of the whole world on his shoulders that day. And for the first time ever, he experienced separation from his heavenly father. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It says at just the right time, while we were still powerless, while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went through that pain 
for you, and he went through that pain for me. He died for that soldier who nailed the spike through his hands. He died for Judas who betrayed him. He died for each one in that crowd that day who shouted, crucify him. He died for each person who spit on him. He he died for the one who wove that crown of thorns. He died for the thieves that were on the cross next to him. He died for the disciples that deserted him. While we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, while we were still an enemy, Christ died for us. The same is true today. Church, he died. He died for the drug addict. He, he died for the abuser. He died for the murderer. He died for that family member that you've been praying for the last 20 years. He, he died for that co-worker who's got a heart as hard as stone. Like he, he died for all of us. We're all sinners. We all need a savior, and he died for us. But not just that. I want you to look at these next verses. Verse 9 of Romans chapter 5. I want to give you some hope this morning. Verse 9 says this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? I mean, this is good news. See, when, when Jesus died on the cross, it was more than enough. So I want to assure you today, his sacrifice was more than enough to save the worst among us, to save the worst sinners. It was more than enough to cover your debt, to cover your sins, to cover your loved ones, to cover your enemies as well. It was more than enough. It was by the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. It says in this passage that we have been justified, that we've been made right because Jesus died. You see, our God is a, is a just God. And it says that the penalty for sin is death. And God's not going to let you just sneak into heaven. He's not going to just sweep, oh, let's just sweep those sins under the rug because you're a really nice person. Come on up. No, that's, that's not the way it works. He's a just God. If he sees sin, he must punish it. See, the only chance that we had of salvation was somebody coming to take the punishment for us. And, and, and saying, I'll come in, I'll step in. And so Jesus lived a perfect life. He did nothing wrong. He did nothing that was worthy of death. Nothing. But yet, he came in and he took our place. He took our sin. He took our punishment for us. We, don't, we didn't deserve that, but he did that. And he died on the cross. And it says that we are justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved by the wrath of God through him? See, we all deserve not just death, but we deserve eternal death. We deserve to spend eternity in hell because we separated ourselves. We made that choice to say, God, I don't need you. God, I want to follow myself rather than to follow you. So we all, we all made that choice. We're deserving of hell. So it says, how much more, how, how much more certain can we be that if Jesus' blood has justified us, justified us, that we can be saved also from the wrath of God? right? So we get literally saved from the pits of hell because of what Jesus did on on the cross. He gives us that grace. But again, it says that's not all, but there's more. But that's not it. How much more than having been reconciled with Jesus, uh, having been reconciled, should we be saved by his life? Like if his death was enough to save you from hell, imagine how much more grace you get because he rose again. Because he has life, right? He did more than enough. He didn't just save us from hell. He brought us to heaven. 
Think about that. Think about it. See, Jesus' death on the cross brought us grace, but his life brings us to his glory. Right? It brought us grace. It brought us, it brought us that mercy. We didn't deserve to be saved from hell, but, but God did it. He saved us from hell. But not only that, now he says, you know what? Not only do you not have to pay for your sin, but now you get to spend eternity in glory with me. Like, that's great. Like, how many people on death row get a presidential pardon? You know, that's, that's one thing. But then if they get invited, hey, come live in my house and, and, and you know, have all my money, have all of these things, and, and live in glory with me. Like, that doesn't happen. You know, maybe you get saved, but then you don't get to live in glory after that. But that's what Jesus does. He does more than enough. He does more than enough to save us. And then it says, man, he gives us every spiritual blessing on top of that. Our, our God does more than enough. It's more than enough to save you, more than enough to save your loved ones, to save the prodigals, to save the stone-hearted. I was reading a story of one of our Assemblies of God missionaries. They're, they're in a sensitive country where it's illegal to tell people about Jesus. So for, for legal reasons today, we'll call him John, all right? Missionary John. And uh, he was out there, and he, he's doing his thing, and he gets a call one day, and they say, hey, we want you to come and pray for our daughter. So these parents call him up, and we want you to come and pray for our daughter. She's got some issues. Let me tell you about this, this lady's issue. We'll, we'll call their daughter. Her name is Sarah. She's got some issues. She's got some, some big problems. Uh, it says, for 13 years, we've been trying to help her, and she just won't take our help. She's been through three marriages, three failed marriages in these 13 years, and, and the fourth one, I mean, it's on the ropes, but she's still in it. And, and not only that, I mean, this lady just, our daughter, she's, she's kind of crazy. She'll often, you'll find her up on the roof yelling at people on the streets, just cursing them out. Can you imagine that? Like, that's, that's what this lady was doing. She would curse anybody who would walk by. She had a three-year-old son, and, and in a fit of rage, she almost strangled him to death. But thankfully, the parents were there and were able to save this child. And because of that, because she felt so much guilt for what she almost did to her child, she started abusing herself, started beating herself up. So, I mean, this was an extreme, extreme case. This was a lady that was just you know, kind of great. Can you imagine if you walked across this lady today? You know, if you're walking by the street and you see some lady up on a roof swearing at you, you'd be like, all right, hide the children. We're not going to take this shortcut again. We're going to go the long way because we're not going to go by that crazy lady's house, right? Imagine if you were her family. How would you feel? Some of you, you've got people in your family. You just feel like there's no hope. Like, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and, and I don't know how to reach them. And they just keep making these self-destructive decisions, and, and I don't know what to do, right? So you can imagine just the pain that the family was going through, and they were on their last hope, and they, they had tried everything. They, they didn't believe in Jesus, but they thought, you know what? We've tried everything else. Let's call up that guy who believes in Jesus. Maybe he can help. So they call John up, and, and John hears this, and he goes to his uh, some people that he knows who love Jesus, and he's like, all right, you too, you're coming with me. And they're like, where are we going? To the crazy lady's house. Uh-uh. No, we're not coming with. And he said, you don't have an option. I've already made your decision. So he brought them along, and they show up to the, to the house, and they come into this room where Sarah's sitting, and, uh, and they try to ask her, you know, hey, what's your name? You know, what's going on? And this lady just didn't even respond, wouldn't even make eye contact. 
and they saw just bruises up and down her, and they thought, man, she's been you know, physically abused, like something's going on here. They didn't realize that it was all just herself, that she was doing this. So they just thought, man, there's, there's something really wrong with this lady. Eventually, um, after trying to talk with her, our missionary John, he, he looked at her and he said, you know what? Jesus is going to set you free today. Jesus is going to set you free today. And for the first time, this, this woman spoke, but it really wasn't her voice. It said in a deep, inhuman voice that sounded as if a whole choir were speaking, Sarah responded, no, she's ours. She belongs to us. She's cursed. And it was in that moment that, that John and his friends realized that this woman wasn't just simply crazy. She just wasn't in need of a mental hospital, but she was literally possessed by demons. That wasn't something that just happened in Jesus' day. That's still something that's here today. So John began to speak the power of the blood of Jesus over her life. The blood that was shed for everyone, everywhere, even those people who are lost causes, even the crazy people in our world that everybody else has given up on. And it said that the demons reacted inside of her, convulsing Sarah's body. And John felt the power of the Holy Spirit come on him, and he placed his hands on Sarah and began to pray forcefully in a spiritual language through the power of the Holy Spirit. It said the demons pressed Sarah back against the wall. And John prayed in the spirit for just a few seconds, and suddenly Sarah crumpled to the floor. When she opened her eyes, Sarah looked at her father and said, Papa, I'm free. And those demons were, were cast out of her. See, Sarah began kissing her father with tears of joy and saying, Papa, I haven't kissed you for 13 years. For 13 years, she'd struggled with this, and everybody had given up on her. And the relatives who were there in the house, they... They couldn't even believe it. They thought this was some sort of a fairy tale. Said Sarah's parents wept. Her husband was speechless. John and his two friends, they, they were crying. And uh, other relatives, uh, were, were, they were just so excited. The parents, they fell at John's feet and, and uh, they started to kiss him. And other people started to offer him money. And, and with great joy, John exclaimed, don't kiss my hands. I can't take your money. It's Jesus who set Sarah free. Worship him. So it's just amazing. The rest of the story, you know, John goes back home, and, uh, and he gets to come back and share the gospel with their whole family. I think about 30 family members showed up, and they said, we want to hear about this Jesus who, who saved Sarah, you know, because she's not the same person. And, and they came to Christ that day. And now it says daily, because of the power of God, because of what he did uh, through John and his two friends that day, it, it said that people are showing up regularly, knocking on his door, saying, hey, tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about this Jesus. Because Jesus can save everyone. He can save everyone everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how far gone you are. He's done more than enough to save even the hardest of hearts. Even the hardest of hearts. Worship team, would you join me? Even while Jesus was hanging on the cross, there's thieves be beside him that were worthy, worthy to be hung on the cross that day. But yet even in that moment, one of the thieves on the cross said, he confessed to his sin. He said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I should be up here. But then he asked, he asked Jesus to remember him. Jesus, will you save me? And even in that moment, even the thief, even, even a rough case, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. 
So again, last week we talked about dreaming bigger, to dream for more. But not only do I think we need to dream more, we need to believe for more. We need to believe that God can do what he says he can do. Believe that he is who he says he is. It's one thing to have big dreams, but it's another, it's another thing to believe that God can meet and exceed our dreams. So today, I challenge you, believe that God can do more than enough. Believe that God can do more than enough. The work that Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to reach those around us, to reach us in our sin, to reach us in our depravity. It was more than enough. And that's why it's so important. Invite somebody to Easter. It doesn't even have to be Easter. Invite them to church. Share your story with them. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. Watch what God can do. It doesn't have to be me who leads them to Jesus. You guys can today. You can lead your friend to Jesus. You can pray a prayer with them and, and tell them how much Jesus loves them. Share your story with them. even when we can. Isaiah 59 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Yeah, God's arm's not too short. He can do what he said he can do. So let's stop saying that God can't. God can't reach my family. God can't save me. And let's start believing that God can. God can. What a better way today to close our time than to finish with communion and to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. If you didn't grab the elements when you walked in, again, uh, you'll have a chance in just a moment. You don't have to be a member of our church to, to take communion. All you need is a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can, you can start one this morning remembering the work that Jesus did on that cross. To remember his body that was broken for us. That's what the, the bread represents. And, and, and the cup is the blood that Jesus poured out for us on that cross. It was more than enough to rescue us and save us and give us eternal life. It doesn't just give us grace, it brings us to glory. And today, I'm going to do something a little bit different that we haven't done around this communion table in a sense. And I, I want to I give you an opportunity because today's a day of remembrance of what Jesus did. So for just, just two minutes, the worship team's just going to quietly play. For just two minutes, I want you to, to turn to the person next to you. It doesn't have to, you can be the person behind you. And I want you to take two minutes and just share something that God has done in your life. Share a testimony of the power of Jesus because sometimes we need to be reminded what Jesus has done and what Jesus still can do today. Maybe it's your testimony. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that God did in your life last week. Maybe it's a time you were healed. But I want you to just take, again, two minutes. One person share one minute. The other person share another minute. And, and just tell a story of what God has done. And one more thing, while you're at it, maybe today you're out there and you're thinking, man, I need to know Jesus. I, I'm guilty. I, I'm sinful today. And I need, I need a savior. I can't save myself. Well, in these next few moments, I want you to take these two minutes and just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, will you pray? Will you, will you lead me to Jesus? Because there's believers all around this room. And again, you don't need a pastor to get saved. You don't need that. You just need Jesus, right? That, that's what we've been called to. So maybe there's somebody next to you that's new and you, you don't know them. Maybe you just need to say, hey, 
Do you know Jesus yet? Can I pray with you? So let's take these two minutes, and then we'll come around this, this table. Again, if you need to grab communion, you need to grab those. The elements are in the back. On the view. But I want you to just take two minutes, talk with the person next to you, and just share a quick testimony of what God has done in your life. So take these two minutes right now and, and talk with the person next to you. says that a man ought to examine himself before he takes the bread and drinks the cup. So let's just take just a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, but during this time, why don't you just make sure that things are right between you and God. Make sure that everything's, everything's good. And just pray, God, would, would you forgive me? May, may we remember the work that you've done on that cross. So let's just take a moment. Let's make sure our hearts are right with God today. Jesus, thank you for the work that you've done on the cross. We remember what you did today. God, we remember the, the pain that you went through. God, as we just shared stories of not only the pain you went through, God, of, of, of the deliverance and the freedom that you've given us, that you've changed our hearts. And so, God, today we want to make sure that we are right with you. God, we pray for your forgiveness. God, search us as, as, as 
David wrote, God, search us and know us. If there's anything wrong within me, God, would you, God, you take it. Take the evil away from me and fill it with more of you. Search me and help me, oh God. As we come to this, this table, as we remember what you did at the Last Supper, as you broke the bread, as you drank the cup, God, may we remember the work that you did on the cross, the emotional pain, the physical pain, the spiritual pain that you went through so that we could have a second chance. Thank you for doing more than enough for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it said on the night before he was betrayed that Jesus, he took the bread. Go ahead, you can open up the bread. said that he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples this is my body given to you do this in remembrance of me Jesus I thank you for the work that you did on the cross thank you that you allowed your body to be broken God we remember that the pain today that you went through. You allowed your body to be broken. You didn't speak up. You didn't get defensive. You didn't argue back. You didn't fight back. You could have. God, you could have called down legions of angels to protect you, to stand up for you, but you knew the work that you needed to do. So God, we thank you today. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken. Amen. Let's, let's, let's take this bread together. in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you we need to remember what Jesus did the blood that he shed so we could have life the blood that we still hold on to today so we can have forgiveness and reconciliation and justification and, and we can see the lost saved just as our missionary John prayed the blood of Jesus over this lady. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Let's thank him for it this morning. Jesus, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for the blood that you shed so that we could have life, so we could wash our sins white as snow. Jesus, thank you that you made us new. Thank you for this new covenant. God, that you are the ultimate sacrifice. And now we can go to you with every need, that you are available, that you are not far gone, that, God, that you are right here with us today, and all we need to do is reach out. So, Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. Let's take the cup together. Would you stand with me? God, we're thankful today. God, thank you for new life today. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place today. God, thank you that, that you died on the cross. You're more than enough to reach each person in this building, to reach each person watching online. God, thank you 
that you're more than enough to reach our communities. So God, help us to start believing bigger. Help us to start believing bigger. Help us to dream bigger. Help us to believe for more because what you did was more than enough to do the little things we want to accomplish on this earth. So God, use us for big things. Use us for greater. God, be with this church as we start this this new journey. God, I don't know where it's going to take us, but I know we're going to a place that's good because we got a good Father. God, you are good. We lift you up. We praise your name. We pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored. God, through, through all that we do, that we would recognize who you are. So, Lord, we thank you, and we praise you today. Now, let's give God the glory today. Church, just give him a round of applause for what God is doing. He is amazing. God is so good. God is so good. Well, hey, today, if you accepted Jesus for the first time, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to celebrate with you. So be sure to, to catch me afterwards. I, I, I want to share with you and just pray with you. God is good. We want to invite everybody. We've got a potluck going on uh, over in the gym. Whether you brought food or not, doesn't matter. We've got plenty. Uh, so come on over. It's going to be a great time. And uh, believe in God for great things. And I think we might as well, let's pray for the food right now before we go over. And Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your victory. We thank you for your healing. God, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. God, we pray that you'd be with us as we fellowship together. God, as we celebrate you, uh, Lord, we pray that you bless this food to our body. God, that, that uh, we would just have a great time uh, of, of being in your presence and being with God's people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you over in the gym.